0: welcome to the river hills church deep and wide podcast each week we'll be going a little deeper and casting the vision a little wider based upon what we talked about on sunday morning so we are so glad you joined us stay tuned as we get rolling into deep and wide well thank you so much for coming to the podcast today I am so grateful you're here. Uh, It's been a few weeks. I have great excuses. Uh, My dog ate my podcast. um, Stuff like that. But, hey, I'm back. And for those of you who are avid listeners which would probably mean my mother i'm so grateful that you've been patient with me as we work through some stuff and get things ready and quite honestly it's just a busy season in my life personally and the life of our church and all of them are good things so very thankful for that but as we continue to go deeper and wider in our application of scripture and our application of the sermon from yesterday, I kind of want to rehash a few things because we've been dealing with this teaching series called Who Is He? And like I said in my very first podcast about this series, is that we're looking into the nature of God, his character, his attributes, why that's important, how that applies to us and draws us deeper into himself. And uh, I think I've used this illustration several times. I love it. When we think about God, I want you to think about an onion. Remember Shrek, the movie, there are many layers and there are many layers to the Lord. There are many things that we need to understand about him to know him in his perfection and the fact he's unchanging. He is sufficient. We dealt a few weeks ago in church about his jealousy and it's a righteous jealousy, which is really cool because he's jealous for you Um, in his. Uh, uh, not just his jealousy, but his wrath. We dealt with that two weeks ago. Always a fun subject to talk about. But when we think about his wrath, when we understand his wrath, it gives us a greater understanding of the gospel. And so every week we've mentioned his love because many people run to the idea of God is love, which he is, but that's where they stop. I want to continue that thought, but with this, as we dealt with yesterday, God is love, but we misunderstand what his love is. And we and we walk through that. So I encourage you to check out the transcripts and the recordings from yesterday during our service. But it all hinged on John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, a very popular passage of scripture, starting in verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And then the apostle John repeats this in a few verses later in verse 16. He says, God is love. Now, Understanding what God's love is, is what we dealt with yesterday. What I want to do today is take that further by understanding how we apply that loving characteristic of God to our own spiritual journey and our call to love others. Because the text here in 1 John chapter 4, it says, um, let's go back to verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The, the thing he's saying here is that we're called to love other people. And if you're not loving other people, the question you have to ask yourself is, truly, do you know Jesus? If there isn't a compassion for your fellow man, for people to come to Jesus, do you truly know God? Then he goes, verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. And this is where we sat yesterday. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, colon, Verse 10, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Then he goes on in verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. There was where we're going to sit today. Our call to love one another. Now, I want to kind of refresh your memory. We didn't really deal with this a whole lot, but there's, there's a couple aspects of God uh A.W. Pink, in his book, Attributes of God, calls it uninfluenced love of God. He also deals with it in the idea, as does J.I. Packer, unlimited love of God. And what we mean by that is that God is uninfluenced in who he loves, not based upon what you and I do, our merit, where we grew up, where, what we look like, what we can accomplish, what our value is to him in the context of what we can do but it's in in, uninfluenced because he loves us for us. And it's also unlimited because first like John chapter four, verse 11, um, it talks about, or or actually just John chapter four, when Jesus is sitting with a woman at the well, he talks with her about, um, you know, God's worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And when we talk about that phrase spirit, we got to understand that God is not limited to one place. Spiritually speaking, He is omnipresent everywhere. And so God isn't limited in his love, both in how he's influenced, but also in limitations of who he is. There are limitations in how you and I love each other and love other people. We may love other people, but there are limits to that. You know, I love my children, but my children are always around me. One lives hours away. Uh, there are certain aspects to that love. It's limited with my resources. It's limited with what I can do. Uh, it's limited in how I do it. It's, it's limited, honestly, in my own sin nature and how it's applied because we've all made mistakes in how we love other people. But God is not limited. So, you know, go back to what the psalmist says is whether I'm in the depths of despair, you are there. There's a love there, but also god is is pure, he's holy, and what we mean by that and we and we struggled through this a little bit yesterday again, we didn't go deep into this in first John chapter one and in other places, specifically in any of the uh epistles that john wrote he he says this first five first John chapter one, this is the message that we ha- we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light in him, there is no darkness now. That idea is that God is completely pure and righteous and holy, meaning in his love, which is unlimited, uninfluenced. Yesterday we talked about it, which is also sovereign, which is also gracious. And if you look at other people and how they write on this, which is uh, never limited in its application and understanding, it's also very pure. And so when God acts, he acts in love, which is unlimited and pure, uninfluenced, sovereign, and so on and so forth. Now, here's the problem. We're called to love others, but you and I are very much finite. We are limited. We're called to love others, and you and I, because we have a a habit towards sin, we are influenced. We work on performance rather than grace, even though hopefully we're growing in grace. We are are not pure in how we live and, and our righteousness is tainted. So there's a lot of issues with us and how we love. And, and what I really want to deal with for the purposes of our podcast today is how do we love difficult people or just people who are hard to love, you know, who've hurt us or whatever it may be. You know, I find it really easy to love someone who hasn't hurt me. I find it really easy to love someone whom I have chemistry with. Um, and he loves me back. But man, there are people in my life, there are people in your life, whether it be chemistry, whether it be character, whether it be sin, whether it be just, you know, the, the way the sun shines that day, that are difficult to love. And then we can broadcast that application to people that we work with. To people that are very different than us socioeconomically, think differently, act differently, vote differently, whatever it may be. How do you love these people that are difficult to love? Well, I want to give you my top 10. Top 10 things about how we can love others. This is not exhaustive. This is me as i thought through it. And I hope it helps. And some things, some of these things I'm really trying to apply in my own life um, because I'm I'm around people all the time. Uh, I try to love everybody. I'm not perfect at it. I don't do good at it. And sometimes I am the unlovable person. I am the difficult person. So number one, I think it's important for us as we choose to love difficult people or people who are being difficult. We have to assign value to that person. What do we mean by that? We have to recognize that that person is made in the image of God just like us. We have to go back to that text where Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. The reason we love our neighbor as ourselves is because we're all in the same boat, desperate sinners looking for a life raft. And the point is, is that when we're struggling with someone, whether they be the difficult person in your office cubicle that you just can't stand, the person that perhaps... You're having to fight in order to get something accomplished, or maybe it's even a spouse and you're just going through a rough patch. If we can see them as a person that God values, then that enables us or assists us in seeing them as person who has value, not value in accomplishing something for us, but value in the eyes of God value in the sense that Christ died for that person value in the sense that God values them as much as he values us. Now, some of you are out there and you're like, Hey, I don't even value myself, Chip. I don't, I don't. Well, I want to speak something to you and just encourage you on this. You do have great value. God does have great love for you. You know, I want to reiterate first John chapter four, verse 10. We read this yesterday. I so go back and listen to the message. This is love that not that we love God, but that God chose to love you. God chose to love you when he didn't have to, and then took his words and put it in action by sending Christ to become the atoning sacrifice. And I love the word propitiation there, meaning he absorbed his own wrath. Christ absorbed the father's wrath for you. It's great love. You have great value. You do. You do. And you find that in the person of Jesus. And so, when we're dealing with difficult people, difficult situations, or people who are being difficult in those moments, it could be a toddler, it could be a spouse, it could be a boss, it could be a coworker. Listen to me. Assign value to that person like Christ has. Number two, deal with yourself. And what do we mean by that? Have you ever walked into a situation that you have to deal with a difficult person, and you've already got your defenses up? So many times. The reason they're difficult is because guess what, you and I are difficult too. So, a principle that Christ talks about is that you want to take the speck or point out the sin in another person's life when you have a log in your eye. You want to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye, but you need to remove the log out of your eye. And and the thing is, is that I constantly have to find myself doing this: is constantly removing logs out of my eye, constantly repenting of the things that I've done. And when I'm dealing with difficult people, I walk into it and say, Lord, I'm just a humble, nasty old sinner. And as if we can approach that as I evaluate, okay, where have I messed up? Now, at times there's not going to be a place where you've messed up. You've done it right, but you are a recipient of God's grace. And I am too. They need to see that God's grace in you. And one of the greatest ways to, to really bridge that gap with a difficult person Is is really twofold. One, tell them you're sorry, and two, ask them their advice or help with something. It really is a great step of assigning that value, but also dealing with yourself. Number three, here we go. We're getting this Philippians chapter two, verse three. Put the needs of others first. Put the needs of others first. Now, the Apostle Paul writes chapter two, and he's talking about how Christ did that by dying on the cross. But he says this in verse two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interest, but looking to the interest of others. Meaning, you know, we putting these people above ourselves. Now, there's boundaries. We'll deal with that in just a few moments. However, if we were to take upon the the nature of what Christ calls us to do. We put others first, just like he did. That's a hard thing to do, especially in the selfish world that we live in. But the thing is, we're called to do that. All right, number four. This is a simple one, very difficult to apply. You ready for this? Drumroll. Rely on the Lord. What do we mean by that? The reliance on the Lord. We get this from Galatians chapter 5. And this is where we get the passage of the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to read this part to you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. The Apostle Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you not gratify the desires of the, of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are none of the law. Meaning is this. Is a reliance on the Lord saying, God, I'm going to submit to you? That whole phrase... So I say walk by the Spirit it means walk in step with what the Lord wants. And one of the things is to bear fruit in your life. Bearing fruit in your life in verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, when you're walking in step with the Lord, submitting to what he wants is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Most of those relate, those those those, those fruits relate to how we deal with other people. And when we're able to say, show patience, and peace towards someone, or kindness and goodness when they don't deserve it, we're relying on the Lord to do that. And so when walking into these difficult situations, it's almost like you take a moment and you do what we call the gospel waltz. Say, Lord, I recognize this is an issue. I don't like this person. I repent of my negativity and what I want to do to that person, and rely upon you to empower me to work through it. And so, therefore, help me be kind right now. Help me be patient. Number five, Second Peter, man. I love this one. And really, for me, this has been something I've been trying to apply daily in the last few weeks. Um, but it's this grow in grace. Grow in grace. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The apostle writes, but grow in the grace and the knowledge and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I love this phrase. Grow in the grace. Meaning your position in Jesus is not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. And the more you grow in that grace and also in the knowledge of Jesus, you're able to show grace to other people. That's an important aspect. Is that if we stop asking people to perform for us in order to get our favor, imagine the ramifications of that. Even between Christians, imagine the ramifications of that of those who don't know Jesus is if we were to show them grace. Imagine that neighbor who is so frustrating to deal with, if you were to show them grace, what a revival could happen in the midst of that. Number six, there's a passage in scripture. You've read this before in Proverbs. It says iron sharpens iron. So does one man sharpen another. Let that person sharpen you. And what I mean is sometimes when we think about that phrase, let as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. We're thinking about two people coming together and they're encouraging and they're loving and they're praying. Listen to me. There are people in your life who are difficult and aren't going to be loving and aren't going to be kind, but are going to sharpen you if you allow the Lord to use them. And so as you deal with these difficult people, simply stop for a moment and say, how can this sharpen me? Reliance on the spirit, growing grace, putting them first. Man, that, look, those are some of the most sharpening people in your life, in my life as well, is it how do we allow them to do that? All right, number seven, we're going to go back to the Gospels here in Luke chapter six. We're going to be specifically in verses 27 through 29. This one is very practical, but very hard, and I understand this, but here's the deal. Pray for them. Pray for them, and not just pray for them once, pray for them regularly make it a point to pray. There are people who I've had a hard time with, maybe uh, having a hard time forgiving, that maybe I just don't like, that I got to pray for them. And Jesus says this, but to you who are listening, I say, verse 27, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone slaps you on one cheek, turn on the other, other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you have them do to you. Here's the, it, it's it's an important aspect. And this is, this is not Christ calling you to be a doormat by any means. But what he is saying is, is like this, is that when we begin to pray for those people and love them, they begin to change because they see the gospel effect in your life. And even if they don't change and still treat you like dung, here's the deal. Your reliance is on the gospel, and that's what's teaching. Remember, iron sharpens iron? So pray for them. Make it a habit. Before you go meet with them, pray for them. If if you're praying daily, which I hope you are, pray for them daily. But spend that time asking God to do a supernatural work in their life. All right, number eight and number nine come from the same place, but I want to read it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay. And how you live for other people, he's saying put on these attributes, let the spirit work. But then he goes on to verse 13 as you deal with people, because even when you clothe yourself with compassion towards others, kindness towards others, humility with others, gentleness, and patience towards others, they're going to still be difficult. So he gives some incredible godly, Thought here, bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have any, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. All right, here's number eight you got to put up with them sometimes, they're just not going to change. Praying for God to give you the patience necessary to deal with them. You know, that was one of the things he wrote in verse 12 to have patience. He also wrote it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 is to have forbearance. Is it sometimes we just going to have to put up with people. And if we find our joy in the Lord and learn to love them they're easier to put up with. Sometimes you got to put up with them. Now, I do want to put a caveat here. When we're talking about putting up with people, we're talking about from the relational context, people who are hard to love. There's this is not calling you to put up with abuse. This is not calling you to continue to get beat by your husband or cheated on by your spouse. This is not calling you to continue to go to work every day and have a toxic environment to where your boss demeans you in such a way to where you're going into a spiraling depression. Sometimes the greatest way to forgive a skunk is to keep the distance. And if you're in one of those toxic, specifically marriage environments, I would encourage you to find the help and the empowerment necessary in a good Christian counselor in order to move beyond that and hopefully find healing for your marriage, hopefully, find personal healing for yourself and the strength to stand up. So, there are, there are barriers to that. There are, there are times when you have to put it, but the, but the context of this passage is dealing with the church as a whole and with other Christians who are striving to live. There was just people in your life. They're going to also be attempting to clothe themselves with these attributes, but you just have no chemistry and you just have to put up with them. They're going to be people in your life who aren't hurting you personally that you're going to have to deal with. And so the the, the the premise of this is to be patient with them as God empowers patience. But also, and this is number nine, forgive them. Forgive them. That's tough. Now, that applies because we see it in Scripture as a whole to everybody. All of us have people we need to forgive, but here's what's so beautiful about this is that forgiveness does forgive them, but it releases you, you know, if think about not forgiving someone or holding a grudge against someone, as I've heard it said, like drinking poison in order to kill the other person, when you won't release that, it tears you apart, and so working through the process of forgiveness, now that doesn't mean you're going to reconcile, I mean, I I hope that we, you know, reconciliation for most, for many people is going to happen in heaven uh, where we're perfected and everything's good, but it does mean that you can release it. And so finding a way to release it, forgiveness is important. And that might be something you need to walk through with someone, but dealing with difficult people, you got to understand you can't change them. Only Jesus can. So forgive them. All right. Number 10. Colossians 3, verse 16. A little phrase there. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Here it is. Preach to yourself. Now, I'm a preacher, pastor. I preach every Sunday, more than that, probably. But one of the things all Christians are called to do is to preach the gospel to themselves. And our challenge is to preach to ourselves what I challenge you to do is take that gospel and preach to yourself. So take the time as you're in the car, preach the gospel, preach these things to yourself, remind yourself of who you are in Christ, of who they can be or are in Christ. If they know Jesus, remind yourself that lost people act like lost people remind yourself that you're empowered and valued. Remind yourself, To grow in grace knowledge of the Lord of Jesus Christ. Remind yourself to rely on the Lord and submit to be one who is, you know, in that position of growing in the fruit of the Spirit. To put others first, remind yourself, preach yourself, to pray for them. Take those opportunities to do that. Guys, thank you so much for joining our podcast today. I'm so thrilled that you are here. Next week, we are going to be walking through one of my favorites. God's truth and how we came up with the Bible. should be a lot of fun, and I can't wait for you to join us. Always join us at River Hills Church at 930 or 11, and I cannot wait to see you. Have a fantastic, fantastic week. Go with God and love others. Talk to you soon.